I was working long hours um, and I wasn't taking care of my well-being. Um, I was eating unhealthy. I was letting go of my, my fitness um, and I wasn't performing well. Um, whether it was the tone of voice in an email or it was not as engaged uh, when I came to work and not as excited and um, salespeople and service agents really run on on how others perceive them. That was Naveed Rastigo talking about his journey to founding the health and productivity company Fitbliss. As a CEO, Naveed takes his health and well-being extremely seriously. And in today's show, he's going to take us through the importance of maintaining the five pillars of well-being, especially for people in high-stress roles. He also takes us through the current corporate well-being landscape and how the employee experience is likely to change in the coming years. But before all of this, let me welcome you to Digital Mindfulness. I'm Lawrence Ampofo, and each week we bring you the latest insights and thinkers from around the world who are making innovations in digital well-being and ethical technologies. We discuss everything from health and fitness to behaviour change, artificial intelligence, digital well-being and much, much more. I hope you enjoy this episode with Naveed Rastigal. Naveed, thank you so much for joining us here on Digital Mindfulness. I'm really looking forward to learning more about you and this fantastic product that you've been working on, Fitbliss. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Naveed, introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit more about how you came to be working in the digital and health sphere. Yeah, thanks. Um, my name is Naveed Rastigar. I'm the CEO and founder of our company called Fitbliss. Um, a background about myself, I started the company um, in 2014, but I think the journey of digital well-being, or more than anything, the concept of well-being started as a child for me. My mom was a big influence on me growing up with how um, learning about yourself and becoming self-aware was critical to your lifestyle, your productivity, um, and the enjoyment of, of, of life in itself. Um, and soon enough, I, I really started to uh, realize that I think during my career um, at Cisco and at Salesforce, which is uh, where I was spending a majority of my time was within the workplace. And I began to take uh, classes for mindfulness and meditation uh, during my time at salesforce.com. Uh, the school is called the School of Practical Philosophy. Um, they're actually based out of London, but they have um, schools all over the U.S. Um, and what I found was the connection between my self-awareness, my mindfulness, uh, my health and well-being to my, my work. Um, I spent the majority of my career in, in sales and marketing, um, even though I started my career as an intern doing web development. Um, but Sales and service jobs uh, and even marketing roles is where I spend a majority of my career. So my experience is lied with more customer-facing roles. Um, and customer-facing roles are quite stressful um, and can be um, exciting. I should say probably first, then it can be stressful um, because every conversation can be very unique. Um, and sometimes you hear the most unexpected things. And with those sort of peaks and valleys comes 
the excitement and downfalls of the role. Um, what meditation did for me, what exercise does for me, what eating well does for me, sort of the holistic well-being approach was it was able to allow me to sort of disconnect uh, from a previous call or an email um, and, and sort of go fresh into the next call or next email. And what that did was my, the customers that I was speaking to or the prospects or the clients, um, they loved it. Um, they saw that it was the best version of me coming onto those calls. So what I started to think about more was the connection of well-being and performance. Um, and that's sort of what led me down the journey of starting, uh, starting our company called Fitbliss. And I'm excited to see where we're going and, um, and most importantly, seeing the success of our, our customers and their employees. I think that's such an important story. And if I'm brutally honest, it's something that I don't think about that often when I'm trying to get the thing that I want personally or something that I've ordered. I tend not to think about the other person on the end of the line. And so if I am frustrated, that will come straight out. So it's inter it's fascinating to me that you're, you know, being in a customer care center, you recognize that perhaps having these negative experiences was impacting directly on your performance and on your health. And so this was the first thing that encouraged you to think more deeply about this. Right, I, I would say it, um... The challenges actually started when I was uh, when I was at Cisco when I was in the sales role and um, it was inside sales um, and I saw that I was working long hours um, and I wasn't taking care of my well-being. Um, I was eating unhealthy. I was letting go of my my fitness um, and I wasn't performing well. Um, whether it was the tone of voice in an email or it was not as engaged uh, when I came to work and not as excited. And um, salespeople uh, and service agents really run on, on how others perceive them. Um, it's a very much a, hey, am I doing this and am I seeing a result come out of this job role? Um, and it's very immediate, meaning it's, it's sort of like a dopamine injection every single day. Are we getting that? Um, and are we hooked on that? And if we're seeing sort of a cascading effect of negative engagement with a, whether it's a customer not interested or um, hanging up on you or not responding to an email and you're, or it's at the end of a sales uh, cycle and you're right at the end and it's going through procurement and all of a sudden the deal falls apart because you're just so anxious for the deal to close. Um, these are real life situations that I've experienced um, and many others are. Um, and when I came to Salesforce, I was, uh, I was part of the partnership team there and, and I, and I sort of immediately took on meditation. Um, and I saw an impact on my emails, um, how my, uh, clients and partners perceived my support to them. Um, and it was very fruitful and my career accelerated tremendously. And, uh, I fell in love with my job at Salesforce, but I, I had a, a bigger passion to bring the concept of well-being to employees who are day in and day out dealing with the struggles of sort of the uncontrolled outcome, which is sales and service. Um, and that is where, where our focus is, and that's where we see a huge market opportunity. And frankly speaking, we're carving out a new industry. 
I think it's absolutely right that the the effects that everything that you just described has on our performance and our overall health and our well-being really is considerable. So going on from there, Naveed, tell us what FitBliss is exactly and why it's so important. Um, FitBliss is an employee performance management tool. I would start there. I would say our, our focus is employee productivity and performance. Um, how we help employees perform better is through better well-being. And what we provide employees is a solution that integrates with consumer health and wearable devices, brings the data into their CRM tool, which they're living and breathing every day. Think the number one SaaS platform in the world, salesforce.com helps them see the connection between their lifestyle and their performance through whether it's reporting or gamification, and then engages them to perform better by utilizing analytics, engagement tactics, like whether it's education or other forms of gamification to improve their performance. And then we make it social by connecting them with other employees within Salesforce to create a sort of culture of well-being amongst sales and service teams. That I think is what we are, how we do it, and why we've, we've even started this. I wonder, Naveed, if we can just ground this a little bit now, because the main thing that you're describing about FitBliss, to me, it sounds like you're trying to help employees develop better and healthier habits. Now, a lot of employees would have wearable devices that they would bring into work, but knowing what to do with those wearables, exact to get the results that we would love in our lives, and also to understand the information coming out with them, out of them, this is quite problematic. So, tell me, what does what does FitBliss do with people's everyday wellness targets? Yeah, think of us as we're turning your wearable data, like your Fitbit data, into a performance KPI. Mm. Uh, so how does 10,000 steps of exercise or activity have a financial outcome for an employee? Because today, sort of the ROI in digital well-being in the workplace um, has been, I would say, not up to par for CFOs who are signing off on these programs. And our concept has, has sort of shifted the mindset of, hey, we wanna drive down the cost of healthcare to, hey, we wanna drive up performance. Um, so we're looking at consumer wearables and apps. So even think like if you're using Strava, <clears throat> excuse me, for your cycling and, bike and, and, uh, and running activities, um, and bringing that into, into salesforce.com, utilizing our product to start to see what, is the, what are like the trends you should be focused on or the lifestyle you should be encapsulating that showcases the best version of you in a sales and service role. So our tool connects two sort of disparate systems, you can call it, which is sales and service data and health and wearable data and unifies those two, those two data sets and creates an outcome for you, or at least a measured outcome. Then our tool provides sort of personalized engagement. So you can call it, uh, we focus on five key areas of well-being, um, exercise, 
mindfulness, nutrition, sleep, and stress. So we have a rich content database of tips and videos, call them like training modules, on how it, we engage that employee at the right time with the right information to push them towards the best version of themselves. So let's just say the trends show that your inside sales team in New York City, when they get at least seven, seven and a half hours of sleep a night, they're showing a higher level of performance than when they are below seven hours of sleep a night. So how do you as a sales manager or the CRO of a company, chief revenue officer, engage your teams who are driving top line pipeline to perform better besides maybe providing them with other tools that is how to maybe better lead qualify, for instance. What about the human themselves and what's their personalities like? So what's the engagement like with the customer? How do customers respond to that? And the same thing goes with call center agents. So I visited a call center in Ohio. And I'll tell you, after listening in to calls, I will never raise my voice to a call center agent again. Their roles are they have to take roughly 200 calls a day. And they aren't allowed to necessarily leave their desk until they have a break because they're they're sort of KPI'd on first call resolution, how fast they can resolve a call and get to the next one. Because what that, what that does is it lowers the wait time for the other person on the call, which is the customer. So their role is very much transactional. And if they are dealing with, let's just say one bad call, do they have 10 seconds to take a break between a bad call that maybe got escalated to the next call? And that's where our solution says, hey, we noticed the call was escalated. Here comes Fipless's module. Take 10 seconds to take a deep breath. Stretch your arms because we want to make sure you are the best you before going to the next call. And then we measure that. So the measurement of breaks or different activities or sleep uh, trends has a direct correlation, even a causal effect to sales and service performance. And if you can address, let's just say the market today shows that $15 billion is lost every year due to disengaged sales and service teams in the U.S. call centers alone, we can address that big problem that employers are facing. And then you have burnout, and then you have retention issues. Then you have to pay for training to recruit and onboard new talent. So the, the cost is quite high. So if we can start to mitigate that and drive up performance with a tool like ours, I think we're creating something that's never been done before, which is quantifying well-being in the workplace, specifically towards the revenue metric. And maybe the real issue with well-being and health, particularly in the workplace, Naveed, is that it's traditionally been quite difficult to get real numbers that you can trust, particularly if you're someone who's responsible for giving these tools to employees throughout a company. That's right. And, and, and I'll give you my background. So I've done this now with this company for five years. Uh, when we first started, <laughs> um, we, we had the mission of better health equals more wealth. Um, and soon we saw there was a big opportunity to get into corporate wellness. So we, we sort of paved the path of building a corporate wellness solution. And fast forward four and a half years later, um, I think we're going back to the mission statement, which is better health equals better wealth versus building a corporate wellness solution that frankly doesn't have as much measured outcome 
that we were hoping it would. And that's why we're building this solution. And what's great is we're seeing, we're already seeing a lot of companies sign up for this, uh, this really this hypothesis um, and incorporating that with sales and service teams. This all sounds fantastic, Naveed. And I think that bringing together um, personal data like well-being and linking that to our performance at work could be incredibly valuable to helping us get to where we want to be. But the first thing that jumps to my mind is, da- is data and privacy. Like, who would own that information? Because well-being data is intensely personal and having that shared with an organization could be used for, for purposes that, you know, that are not in our best interest, to put it politely. I'd say privacy and trust is our number one concern and initiative every single day. Um, so we take privacy and trust very seriously. Every employee's data and information is anonymized and aggregated based on um, their department and job role. So we do not show employee names. We show trends within an employee role um, for data and analytics purposes and trends purposes and, of course, engagement and ROI. Um, However, every employee's data is taken very, very seriously, and we don't show that uh, personal health information to the employer. You mentioned, Nivi, that you've been working on this for about 14 years now, but it seems to me, certainly through the research that we've been doing here that this issue has just now come to the fore. It's just reached a tipping point within organizations very recently. Would you agree with that? Very much so. I would say, um, I think the concept of well-being in general has taken more of a front seat in the employer's um, culture and engagement teams. So I think employee benefits um, is really an area where it's, it's, a, it's a must have. Um, I think burnout, um, retention, and um, recruitment is where employers are frankly scared the most. Um, I think if you talk to a lot of senior leaders, um, what maybe keeps them up at night, a majority of nights is um, their own employees. Um, are they satisfied in their job roles? Are they um, feeling overworked? Are they, um, are they going to stay or are they going to leave? And the biggest area of emphasis will be what sort of employee benefits, engagement, and culture do we have? And with sales teams, sales teams are notoriously known for turnover, um, meaning that's why there's a heavy investment in training and onboarding for sales teams because, and making it as quick as possible. Because if you want to hire a salesperson, a salesperson sitting in their desk and not performing and not driving sales is not, not good, right? It's not perceived as a good thing. So how do we engage those employees, keep them and optimize them to perform at their best from the first day they sit in the office? Um, so the concept of well-being has become more of a, how does well-being and engagement drive overall retention and performance in the workplace that we can then take as a recruitment tactic to bring on the best talent. 
And that's why well-being, I think, is um, really transformational in the workplace. And I think the concept is really kicking in. Um, just the other day, I was talking to our team where we're having more and more clients integrate our product into their sales force, um, which is, to me, meaning single sign, single sign-on experience is important for employees. Two, they want to see outcomes that are measurable. And three, they want to see sales and service teams at their best. So those three together is sort of a, a unique, I would say a whole new industry, frankly speaking. Uh, we're calling that industry health productivity versus corporate wellness um, because it is what it says. It is health and productivity. Um, and that's what we're very excited about. And we're going to be taking more and more to market with our customers sharing the story versus even us. Naveed, earlier you mentioned these five core pillars of well-being um, as part of the platform. And I'm wondering if you can share with the audience, what are some of the first things that they can do to um, enhance their health and well-being so that it improves their performance at work? I would say two things. One, pause. Press pause. If things aren't going well, which let's just be frank, um, there usually aren't because our minds tend to think uh, negative thoughts versus positive thoughts just because they're easier to, uh, to think about of all the things that aren't going the way you hope they would. Um, I would say one, definitely pause. Um, if you can, uh, when you're eating, um, be mindful of, of the taste of the food, um, be mindful of chewing, these are easy practices. This is what I learned during my, my meditation and philosophy classes. Um, I would say when you're typing on the keyboard, actually feel the keyboard, feel the typing. Um, and when you're, when you're listening, um, be present. I know you've probably heard these things many times, um, but these are all very, very important uh, practices and frankly, very easy. I don't want anybody to try to take away something that's just uh, unattainable like running a, a marathon in a week. Um, I'd say start with small, um, uh, tangible, and um, frankly achievable uh, mindfulness practices that um, doesn't require you to necessarily get up and move because maybe you have uh, a sore knee, for instance, or a bad back. Um, try to do things that are very easy. Um, and I think, for instance, you know, like I mentioned, feeling your fingers on the keyboard, tasting the food and enjoying the, the food versus maybe being on your laptop or your, or your phone. And then when you're speaking with people, just be present and listen. Um, I think those three are, are easy, easy ones to, to take advantage of. I think this is really heartening to hear because platforms such as this would helpfully nudge people to making better choices around their health and their well-being, even right the way down to the words that they use on a daily basis to help improve their performance. And I think that, again, from what you're saying, this really does signal um, a sea change into the relation, into the importance rather of health and well-being in the workplace and particularly how, not just how it relates to staff, but also how it relates to the things that a lot of people care about, particularly the budget holders. Yeah, I, I think the the mission around well-being um, in the workplace needs to transform. Um, I think that we, as 
as humans should be thinking about well-being as a must-have versus a nice-to-have when we come to work every single day. Um, and I think it extends outside the four walls of the workplace as well uh, with family and friends and, frankly, yourself. Um, I think that is where we want to see the industry go versus, uh, versus where I think it's been for for decades. It's not just a gym membership anymore. It's, it's the human that come to your office every day that are the bloodline of the company. And it's critical to think of their well-being as a must-have uh, versus a nice-to-have. So Naveed, where can people find out more about you and your work and connect with you? Wonderful, yeah. I would say, uh, obviously, we have a website. So uh, please visit our website. Uh, it's fitbliss, F-I-T-B-L-I-S-S dot com. Um, and if they want to learn more about uh, the platform and the solution, um, I would say reach out to us, um, infobliss at fitbliss.com. Um, it's information and bliss at fitbliss.com. So infobliss at fitbliss.com. And if they like to reach out to me directly, uh, my email is navid, N-A-V-I-D, at fitbliss.com. And I'd love to have a conversation. If you're feeling the pain um, like I felt the pain or you feel like your colleagues can really utilize uh, a platform technology like ours, uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear your voice um, and share that with, uh, with the world and transform corporate wellness as we know it. Well, Naveed, thanks so much again for being with us today and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us and wish you all the best with FitBliss. Sounds like a really fantastic product. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.